The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? 
The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, In four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that's a tremendous story. Begins with Jesus alone next to a well and ends with a whole town welcoming him in as one of their own and proclaiming that he is indeed the savior of the world. It's a terrific story. If we were back at Gonzaga English class, the professor would certainly say, let's deconstruct this a little bit. Let's examine the bits and pieces that make this thing work so well. It's a great narrative. Let's figure out how it gets from A all the way to B. So here's the first bit and piece of this story. It's the well itself. Part one, maybe you'd say, the well. Here's this well of Jacob. It was there in the time of Jacob, what, 4,000 years ago? Still there today, all these many, many centuries later, as Jacob and his flocks drank from it, as Jesus drank from it, as we could still drink from it this very day. Wells are wonderful, especially in a dry, dreary place. Jesus arrives at the well, and he sends off his disciples to go get food and drink for himself, for themselves. 
And he remains there by himself, hot and dry and very, very thirsty. He rests in whatever shade he can find. And then the next piece of the story, along comes a woman with her jar. Now this is very strange. There's three things that are wrong with this. First of all, clearly, this woman is a Samaritan. She's coming from a Samaritan town. And as you may know, Samaritans and Jews were sort of like Catholics and Protestants in Northern Ireland only a short time ago. They basically hated each other's guts. They saw each other as heretics, and they would have nothing to do with one another, not even to speak to one another. The second thing that's wrong with this moment is that this is a single woman unaccompanied and Jesus of course is a single man unaccompanied. Sounds like the beginning of a soap opera, doesn't it? <laughs> Third thing that's wrong is that this woman is coming at midday to the well. Now there's only one good reason why she would come to the well at midday because everyone else would come in the early morning when it's cool or in the early late evening when it's cool. You don't go to the well in the middle of the day. She obviously has been rejected by her own people, the other women of the village, and she is no longer allowed to go get her water in the morning with them or in the evening with them. She clearly is a woman of bad repute, to put it gently. So she arrives at the well. So here we have the well, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, who's a bad woman. Part two of the story, the second piece of the story, is the conversation that then begins. Now there's something really strange about this conversation because first of all it should not take place for all the three reasons I just mentioned. She's a Samaritan, he's a Jew, she's alone, he's alone, and thirdly, she's a bad woman and you don't talk to bad women. But Jesus does. Jesus breaks all the rules. He breaks the social rules, the cultural rules, and most of all the religious rules of his own time. And he speaks to her. And he says to her something so obvious and simple, it, it, it makes perfect sense, except that he's crossing over all kinds and trampling all kinds of, of important religious rules of his time. He's speaking to a heretic? Wrong. He's speaking to a single woman? Wrong. He's speaking to a woman of bad repute? Very, very wrong. But Jesus goes ahead. Can I have some water, please? And she responds knowing that this is wrong. She knows that this is not the way things are supposed to go here. Maybe. Maybe Jesus flirting with her a little bit. Who knows? She says to him, so why are you talking to me? You know I'm a Samaritan. You know I'm a woman alone. And you probably have guessed why I'm here at midday. And this is where Jesus twists the story. All of a sudden, Jesus is no longer talking about his thirst or the water that he needs. But he says, if you only knew who it is who's talking to you, your thirst would move you to ask him for water, for living water. 
And she doesn't understand the twist in the story. What is he talking about here? There's no living water here. There's no springs. There's just this well, and that's it. There's no lovely springs and creeks and stuff with bubbling water. That's what living water meant to her. And then Jesus. Jesus does something extraordinary. After twisting the story already once, he ratchets it up. And he uncovers the deep well of emptiness in this woman's life. He asks a simple question, or actually it makes a demand, suggestion maybe. Go get your husband. Now she's really in trouble because she has to admit, maybe she already understands, that he knows who she is, that he knows her. I have no husband. Oops. You're right, you have no husband. You've had five. Look at the rings on your fingers. And the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. And she's exposed the emptiness of her life, the thirst of her life, the thirst for love unfulfilled is exposed before her. And so then begins this lovely dialogue, this conversation between the two of them in which Jesus, having opened that well of nothingness, that well of emptiness in her life, begins to reveal who he is and how that emptiness can be filled with living water and she'll never thirst again. Takes her a while to catch on. But eventually she moves to recognize that this man who's talking to her is greater than Jacob, is maybe a prophet even, maybe more than a prophet, that he is the long-awaited Messiah both of the Jews and the Samaritans, the Messiah that they've both been longing for and waiting for all these years and centuries. So anyway, that's the end of the second part of the story, the conversation between the woman and Jesus. The third part of the story brings back our buffoonish apostles, disciples back into the story. They come back from town and what have they done? Well, they've bought some food. And they've probably picked up some water, maybe a little wine, some nice bread, some tuna fish sandwiches. Who knows what they've got in their bag. And they come back and they say, hey Jesus, you hungry? We've got some great food here. And, but in that time that they've been in the village, they know they're in the midst of Samaritans, so they've probably spoken to no one except enough to buy the food. They certainly haven't touched anyone's heart. They haven't filled anyone's emptiness. They haven't offered anyone the fountain of living water that is their leader, Jesus himself. So they come back and say, Jesus, you're hungry. Here's some food. Got some nice peanut butter sandwiches here. Whatever it is you need, we've got it, man. And Jesus goes, okay, you guys are missing it. You're missing the story. You're missing the point here. You've missed your moment to bring the life and light of God to these people. Well, I've been here doing the work, doing the work of reaping the harvest 
that we've been preparing for all these thousands of years. Meanwhile, the woman goes off and she returns to her village and she does what the disciples didn't do. She begins to proclaim to anyone and everyone who will listen what Jesus has done for her. That he's opened up the deep, empty wells of her life. That he's exposed her thirst and that he's offered her the living water of God's presence and grace in a new way she never expected. And already she is transformed because the people in the village listen to her. They listen to her testimony. They have new respect for her. She's integrated back into the family. And then the people come out to Jesus. They come out to Jesus and they invite him in. This Jew, this heretic, this outsider. And they invite him in as one of their own. And before their two days of visiting are done, they are proclaiming that this Jesus, who they've met at the well of Jacob, is greater even than Jacob. That he is greater even than the prophets. That he is even more than the long-awaited Messiah that their people and the Jewish people have been expecting all these years. They proclaim something far greater than all of that. This Jesus who has come to our town and who has spoken to us, and like the woman at the well, who has opened up our wells of emptiness and slaked our thirst for God, is the Savior not only of the Jews. He's the Savior not only of the Samaritans. He's the Savior of the whole world. Wow, that's a tremendous story. And if this Lenten season is anything, then it is the time in which we too go to the well of Jacob with our emptinesses and our thirsts and we engage him in conversation even with all of our faults and our failings and our sins and whatever is equivalent in our lives to having five husbands already and the one we're living with now is not your husband. And we allow him to gently, beautifully, respectfully, lovingly lead us to the fountain of living water that is the grace of God made flesh in him.